to have occurred over the first couple weeks. How can you continue to team build in a positive direction, even with the depletion of your lineup? Affecting show up to work. Off? Just show up to work and, and just show up to work. And uh, we got to go, and that's our goal is to go out and win, play play together, offensively, share the ball, offensively, defend, rebound, and uh, try to play hard um, and see what the see what the outcome makes. You know, one comes in, you know, wanting to be flat or a slip, a step slow or whatnot. But at the end of the day, it's tough. You know, we're juggling different circumstances, guys being in and out of the lineup. But at the end of the day, you know, no one's going to feel sorry for you, especially when you're a Los Angeles Laker. So our biggest thing now, you know, being 0-3 on this road trip is to go into Phoenix on Friday and just be the hardest working, most competitive, most together team on the floor for 48 minutes. Mm. That's right, Mike Hill. That's right. Yeah. Mm is right. Mm. Sometimes it's not even a it's not even a word, it's not even a phrase for the Lakers. First of all, good to see you. We got a lot to get to today. Yes, so sir. I just want to yes, start sir. off, man. There's so many things. I want to, so many things I want to hear you talk about. So we'll we'll kind of jump around in this first segment. We got Rodney Harrison coming on the show. Uh, we have a popcorn oh, moment later in the show. We have a popcorn moment, okay. and I forgot. I was outside, Mike, chasing the dogs, and yeah, trying to chase them down right before the show started. I forgot my <laughs> popcorn, my favorite snack. I'm going to need my popcorn at 340, at 340, so maybe uh, I can get some popcorn before that because there's a true popcorn uh, take, moment. It takes 90 seconds to heat up some popcorn in the microwave, man. Just throw it in the microwave yeah, real but, quick. Oh, have your plumber have your plumber do it for what? you. Remember the plumber? The plumber that came by your house last time uh, I was uh, yeah, on the show? Yeah. He finally got it right. Have him do it. He finally, oh, he did. He finally got it right. He finally got it right because <laughs> he came over. He started messing. He started messing with stuff that was already fixed. And oh, he made really? it broken. He broke stuff that was like actually right. He didn't know what he was doing. How do you so think they make money? Another... We had another... <laughs> right, right. They make money. <laughs> so you can call you. You no, said something. As long as he didn't have plumber's crack. He didn't have plumber's crack, though, did he? Yeah, no. Well, I, he didn't. He didn't. But oh, he good, may have good, good. When, he, when he came in here. <laughs> I was just like shocked that there was a presence in the studio. I didn't even look to see if he had the, if he had the crack going on or not. But you okay, said something. You okay. just said something that I, that before we get into LeBron James and the Lakers and how I'm down on the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Did you just say microwave popcorn? That is obscene. That is what? gross. That oh, is so you obscene. are the one. You, you actually get the bag of popcorn, put it in a pot with some butter, and have it. You you do the old school popcorn. Not even the Jiffy Pop. There it is. Are you old enough to yeah, remember not, the no, Jiffy Pop no, no, you used to put on? No Jiffy no, Pop. No. We're not doing Jiffy Pop. Look, man, I get the oil just right. So I get wow. the oil. I get, get it heated up just right. I put the kernels in there. I'm there, stove top, shaking. Up. I got what? a popcorn pot. Uh, and it's, it's a whole process. It's a whole process. I'm telling you. Then I get in there. Sometimes I put some Parmesan on there. Sometimes I just put butter. I mean, I mix it okay. up. I, I bet. This is my thing. This is my. I'm a you popcorn s- guru. I Come see. On. You are. You Michael. are. You are, Mr. Doctor Orville Redenbacher. You know, that's who you are, <laughs> Michael. Michael I'm a, Orville Redenbacher. <laughs> I'm taking over the empire. I'm taking over. It got, yeah, somebody's got to inherit it. Why not me? Uh, speaking of Go inheriting, ahead. hey, listen. I don't know who the successor to the king is, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't look like the Lakers really have a successor. They don't have a succession plan. They don't have a, a right now plan. Mike, think about what the Lakers are counting on. They're counting on a man who's 38, going to be 39 next month to be mm-hmm. their second best player. That's what they need him to be, although mm-hmm. he's probably their best player. He doesn't want to be. He wants to be two, <clears> but he's one. They're counting on a guy who is 30 years old, roughly, but has the body of somebody 30 years older. That's Anthony Davis, not available last night. Yeah. And then their third best player, I don't know, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell. I don't know. Look, look, stop, stop. I'm out. I'm out on the Lakers. Like I, I talk about them because they're the L.A. Lakers, iconic franchise, blah, blah, blah. Mike, they're not going to. They're they're not a real contender. They had a nice run last year. I know you live in Los Angeles. I want to hear your take on it. I I don't see it. I just don't see it. Okay, so here's what we remember about the Lakers is how they finished. We forget how they started last year. They started the season just like this. Two and ten. Two and ten, right? Two and ten, yeah. First season under Darvin Ham. Injuries, LeBron James didn't look the same. Anthony Davis trying to play. They just didn't look like they were a cohesive group. And now they're making, not excuses, but they haven't had their complete team. I know Jared Vanderbilt hasn't been there. I know uh, Gabe Vincent has missed a couple of games, whatnot. Uh, Austin Reeves looks tired because he played over the summer, whatnot. But, yeah, this is not the same team from last year's uh, NBA uh, Conference Finals. Uh, They're making excuses right now, and I don't know where to go. The problem with LeBron James is he is the most reliable and he is the most – capable player on that basketball team because he's going to be on the floor all, every single night, and he's about to be 39 years old in his 20th season. They can't rely on somebody. They, they, they're they trying to limit his minutes, but at this point in the season, they can't because they got so many injuries, and Anthony Davis is not capable of being on the floor for 82 games in the season. So if that's the case, and he can't give the ball or the succession over to Anthony Davis, what is LeBron James going to do with the Lakers? When you talk about a division right now that has uh, the, the Golden State Warriors, the Phoenix Suns, Sacramento Kings, and the L.A. Clippers, the good thing about the, the, the Lakers right now is that other teams in the Western Conference that you thought were going to be really good this season, the Clippers, uh, the, the Suns, and the Sacramento Kings, right now they're struggling as well. So if they can get it together and if they can find some kind of cohesiveness and get healthy, maybe they'll be okay, but I never really believed in the Lakers from the beginning in the first place. I thought they were a fourth or fifth place, best, fourth or fifth best team in the Western Conference in the first place anyway. Well, I'm glad to hear you say it. And I, I want to talk about something else you had in your feed. And uh, you got mm-hmm. me thinking, when you're talking about uh, Victor Wimbanyama and yeah. the phenom that he is. Now, we think about phenom. So LeBron uh, was a phenom. Uh, it was roughly 20 years ago, like October, whatever, 29th, mm-hmm. 2003. Mm-hmm. So uh, 20 years ago, first game against Sacramento. And it was clear that LeBron, yeah. even at that age, you know, not quite 19 yet, 18 years old, coming into the NBA, looked like he belonged immediately. I mean, mm-hmm. first game. Yep. And then you think about mm-hmm. some other phenoms, you know, you go back to the pre uh, one and done days. So whether it was Patrick Ewing coming from Georgetown, whether it was Jordan coming mm-hmm. from North Carolina, it, it, you know, they came, even uh, you fast forward to, you know, Jason Kidd coming from Cal, Grant Hill uh, coming from Duke. These guys came into the league, had a little bit of experience. We knew who they were. 
I don't think we ever seen anybody like Wimby because he had, he, had, he mm-hmm. didn't play three years in college, three or four years in college. And although we were aware of him, like LeBron had been at hoops, you know, the gym in, in Chicago, he had played on the same court with Jordan in high school. Right. LeBron had played mm-hmm. with high school with, with pro players. They knew who he was and they had played with him. Wimby, we knew who he was, but nobody really played with him from the pros. Nobody. I, I, what, right. what, what I'm getting at is I think he's the kind of phenom where it's going to be like, there's going to be moments like this. That night against right. Phoenix, he was unbelievable. He was unbelievable. And then some nights you say, yeah, I can see it. It's raw. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. not, he's not ready to be a consistent. Hey, he's, he's not like he ain't going to make the all-star team. I'll say that now. He, he won't make the all-star team. Oh, he gonna, he, 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 yeah, he'll make the all-star team. He'll make the all-star team. You think he will? He'll, oh, think yeah, because of, I, I, because I, of popularity. The, the voting. Yeah, the voting. I, yeah. I think he'll, because of the voting, I think he'll make the all-star team. He might even start because of that. I mean, he won't deserve to be a starter on the all-star right. team. That's where I'm going. I get exactly. That. But but I, I see what you're saying. We also got to remember that he's 19 years old. Even though he's in a man's body, he's seven four, seven five, whatever he is, he's still a 19-year-old right now. And he's shown signs, like you said. I've seen – I used to call him when Benyama because I said when he shows up in the fourth quarter. He's been a capable fourth-quarter scorer, taking over the games, right. and that's what really when it matters. San Antonio is not going to be a – a, a, a different team this year. They're not going to be better than a 20 game difference than last year. They're, he's not like a Shaquille O'Neal coming into the league and making that kind of immediate impact. Like you said. He's Shaq. not, he's not another LeBron one. James. Yep. When those guys came into the league, they made an immediate impact on their team because they were able to be a force and put that team on their backs and take their team to new heights. Even though they, you know, like uh, LeBron, his first year, only one, they, they finished under 500, and Shaq Singh was at 500 that season. Michael Jordan is another one of those guys. He's not that guy right now. He's still he's going to learn. He's never, we have never seen a more gifted athlete, I believe, at his size in the NBA, a, a more skilled player. For somebody at his size to be able to do what he does, it's just phenomenal That's to watch true. every single night. But he is not that person that is going to put a team on his back. You know what's missing though, Mike? Leadership. He's a young player on a very young team. You're talking about when you look at a guy like Doug McDermott as the leader, the the oldest guy on that team, Doug McDermott's like 30, 31 years old. I know he's a good three-point shooter, but he's not like that veteran that's been around and won championships somewhere. So I'm really surprised that Pop didn't bring in some kind of veteran presence to kind of guide this guy along the way. And I know you got Tim Duncan and, and David Robinson to be that kind of like uh, mentor because he's in San Antonio, but you need somebody on the road with him 24 seven, just to kind of guide him along the way. Like Kobe had with Byron Scott back in the day. Now, uh, Mike, uh, as I told, as I told you, I, I really love your feed items. They really uh, are provocative. <laughs> uh, they get my mind racing. So we're talking about uh, the game, basketball, yeah. the game on the court. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you're talking about game off the court because I, Mike, I, the mature person yeah. I am, I watch the, I, I watch the Jeezy, um, Nia mm-hmm. Long conversation, mm-hmm. and I just thought it, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was conversational excellence. I thought they were bringing up some really important, weighty issues. And Mike Hill, no, 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 not that. That's not the feed item you want. Like I, I say, it was conversational. <laughs> Mike Hill. Hey, what's Mike Hill saying about the conversation? Mike Hill says, <laughs> shoot that shot. Yeah, man. Like, hey, man. Hey, man. You, you, 
What? What? Cool, what you, you thought that's that's cool, what it bro. was about? Michael Holly, I agree with you. I thought it was conversational excellence. I thought there were some points that were made in there that got overlooked. But you know, we live in a sensational world now, where we live, where blogs rule the earth, where it's just got to be that big headline that steps out. I heard him when he said he's never experienced unconditional love. I heard him when he said that. I heard him when he was talking about his marital woes and Nia Long talking about, you know, her issues with Ume Adoka and all that type of stuff and how that played out and everything. I heard all of that. But what made headlines is when he said, I can't say the word, but he said, don't cheat, if you know what I'm saying. He right. said real, real ones. Don't the cheat. real ones. The real, real ones. ones don't cheat. Real ones. Yeah, yeah. Real ones don't cheat. And I started thinking, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Because when you grow up, you get older. You know, I had to learn some things myself. So when you grow up, you get older, you realize, yeah, you're a real man. You don't cheat. You love this woman. You don't cheat. You will not do that. And then I had to realize he's talking to Nia Long, who just got cheated on. And Nia Long is fine. So I had to put myself in this position saying, okay, he's newly single. I think she newly single. If I am applying for a job at a bank, that just got robbed. You know what I'm gonna tell the manager of that bank? I can't stand a thief. I can't stand a thief. I am so <laughs> full of integrity. I can't stand a thief. So yes, I know that real won't one <laughs> won't cheat or whatever. But I also know real will also lie to get some. You know what? You know what I'm saying? So that's that's the. Part. <laughs> If you really want to break it down. And you know what? And at the end, you know, you may be on to something. Because at the end, you notice this. At the very end of the interview, for those who say, stay Uh, to the end. uh Wait for it. Wait for it. So if you got to the 45-minute mark, think it was about an hour and three minutes. Go, No, no. You're 18 minutes short. Keep going. Because at the end, he said, you know what? He said, not only are you America's sweetheart. You are America's sweetheart. I'm surprised you didn't know that people... Especially black people would would be protect so protective of you, would stand up for you. Mm-hmm. He said, "But it is an honor. It is my honor and privilege to have this conversation with you, because you, mm. Nia, this oh, uh, yes. Mike, Mike, Mike. He put it on. He said, because you <laughs> are the embodiment. You are Ooh. the embodiment of what it means, essentially, to be a queen." Ooh. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talented, you're smart, you're beautiful. You are the you are the embodiment. You know what she did? You know, I, I watched this. She reached for, oh, no, no, the shot. This was a shot, and, and it wasn't from half court. This is a high percentage uh, shot. Because uh, when he said that, Nia mm-hmm. Long reached to her right where the tissues were. Oh, and my she God, pulled out she got her. She's... Rob. Bravo, Jeezy. Bravo, Jeezy. That's how you do it, man. That's how, yeah. 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 How you say, yeah. Because I'm going to, right, right. Because I'm going to tell you about my, I'm going to tell you about my insecurities. I'm going to tell you about my mistakes. I'm going to tell you what I've learned. I'm going to tell you that I'm not just doing this for me. I'm doing this Mm. for the culture. I'm doing all, I'm getting all these, I'm getting all in. But around the one hour mark, when Michael Holly's got his popcorn ready, I'm uh-huh. gonna say uh-huh. that you're the embodiment. The you're embodiment. the embodiment. Woo! You are the embodiment right. of our culture. You know what? You I are the right. warmth of my soul. 
You are the, the essence uh. of beauty, me alone. I've been following you since you was a teenager, and I have loved and respected you. And any man that does not love and respect you, they should be slaughtered <laughs> and taken off the face of this earth right now. You are everything <laughs> to me. Yeah. Uh, I love you, Neil. Look at Mike. Look at Mike Hill <laughs> trying to shoot his shot right here. You trying to shoot your shot up, brother, from another. I, you I have to no it. chance, bro. <laughs> you trying. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the effort, though, Mike. I appreciate it. Yes, sir, man. I'm going to try. I'm definitely going to try. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah you know yeah, you are shooting on. that shot, man. Come on, dog. Uh, <laughs> Come on. Jeezy. He's a real no uh, Come on, dog. Okay. Yeah, it- I want to say really. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. Have you been given any assurances from ownership about your job status for the rest of the season? Yeah, my focus is on getting ready for the Colts. Do you personally believe that you could be coaching for your job this week against the Colts? I'm going to control what I can control. I'm going to get ready for the Colts. <laughs> Classic. All right. So listen, that was that was Bill Belichick earlier uh, after after his uh, loss to the the Patriots loss to the Commanders. They're asking Bill Belichick about his job security, and I and I go back to Mike Hill the first time. Let me tell you the first time I saw Rodney Harrison. I don't know if he remembers mm-hmm. this. It was March. It was March of two thousand three. It was New England, so it was cold. It was cold outside. Mm-hmm. March two thousand three. I see Rodney Harrison wearing some shorts in cold New England weather in Foxborough in the facility. They had convinced him to sign. You're about to go sign with who? Denver? You're about to sign with, with Denver? And, well, the Raiders. Oh, the Raiders. And Denver. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So they can, he was on his way. He's wearing shorts. It's like 35 degrees outside. He signs with the Patriots, and the rest is history a captain, a Super Bowl champion. Yeah. But I, I bring that up, Rodney, because could you think that in 2003, you know how things were in New England. Did you ever think that you would witness this scene at Gillette Stadium where Bill Belichick is being asked about his job security and the Patriots are sitting here in November at 2-7? and seven? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> and it just shows you how important the quarterback position is Um, And we've all known that Tom is the greatest of all time. But to have a guy like Mac, who I thought was going to come in and and really be that pro and and really elevate his game to be that starting quarterback for the next decade or so, I thought he was going to be that guy. And it just hasn't worked out that way. So do you think Mac Jones is the... Go ahead, ahead, Mike. Yeah, go go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, do you... Is Mac Jones the only issue there in New England? And is it even fair that... The media is even asking Bill Belichick these kind of questions when you consider his pedigree, his resume. And if you look at the NBA, uh, a coach like Greg Popovich is going through the same thing with our guys like Tim Duncan and Tony Parker. And nobody's even questioned anything about his job. Well, I just think with um, Coach Belichick, he understands that this is a production-based business. And if you're not producing, if you're not winning, then, you know, you're going to get judged. It's no different than a coach 
um, comes in, he looks at his players, he looks at his roster, and he sees, and he says, you know what, we got to move this guy, we got to cut this guy. The same thing has to happen with coaches. You got to have guys that are responsible. Coach Belichick has not forgotten how to coach. The problem with Coach Belichick is he didn't get enough good players. The players out there, I don't know if he's trying to build a team, um, you know, the type of team that we had, but this is 2023. The rules have changed. Things Mm -hmm. are a lot different. And he just has not been able to get those really star players. You look at the wide receiver quality. They don't have a number one receiver. They don't have a number one receiver. You have an opportunity to go out and get a guy you spent eleven million on Juju Smith Schuster. You should have kept Jacoby Brissett. That was easy. You know what I mean? So it's it's those type of decisions that you make on top of not having that consistency on the at the quarterback position, but also guys on the defensive side of the ball getting hurt. Matthew Judon, Christian Gonzalez. It's just a it's just a just a bonanza of things, guys. Mm-hmm. Here's my uh, final Patriots question before we ask about other things. Uh, Belichick, if, if you're him, do you mm-hmm. retire in 2024? Do you stay with the Patriots and allow somebody else, if, they, if you have this option, allow somebody else to pick the players because there's definitely a talent deficit? Or, as has been speculated, do you go to Washington? Do you go to another team? You get your own restart, your own rejuvenation, the same way Tom Brady did when he left mm-hmm. New England for Tampa and picked up another Super Bowl. What do you think the best option for Belichick is in 2024? You know, Mike, that's a very difficult question because I'm not that man. I'm not I'm not Coach Belichick at his age where he's at in stage and point in time in his life, so I can't really answer that. The bottom line is what Kraft wants to do. Does he feel like Bill is the future? Does he want to start a a rebuilding process with Bill, or does he want to go in a different direction? You know, people have talked about Gerard Mayo possibly having an opportunity, but of course he has some of that Bill Belichick DNA. Or do you want to go outside the locker room and get somebody that's totally different, somebody totally new, um, and and revamp your entire um, you know, offensive staff. But the problem is, too, is you still have to find a quarterback. And from the looks of it, it seems like they're going to be in a good position to be able to draft one. Ronnie, don't you want to ask, let's move on to the Jets now. Don't you want to ask uh, uh, Robert Sala if he's uh, if he's being held hostage to blink twice, uh, just in case management is trying to force him to start Zach Wilson? Because uh, after saying that he, he's going to plead the fifth when it comes to that, he, he kind of backpedaled a little bit and said, you know, me and management are on the same page when it comes to Zach Wilson. I, I don't know what page they're on, but somebody's going to get a page at the end of the season if this continues, and that means a peak slip at the end of the season if it continues with Zach Wilson. Why is it that Zach Wilson is still the starting quarterback, in your opinion, of the New York Jets? Well, I think, you know, obviously he was a, a very high draft choice, and it's somebody that they, they said that they ultimately believed in. But, of course, I mean, you go you get a 39-year-old quarterback, you pay him $45, $50 million a year. Obviously, you don't believe in the young guy. Um, but I think the most important thing is for them to be able to focus on this week, not the big picture, playing one game. And what does that entail? Running the football, trying to play good defense, trying to get Zach Wilson to a point where you can get the ball out of his hands quick. He can limit his turnovers, and he can play with a little bit more confidence. The guy's a good athlete. He's just young. He's raw, and some of the play calling isn't very exotic. It's not like 
the, you know, he's dropping back and he's got two or three options where he can get rid of the football. So I think some of the play calling is hurting him as well. And the fact that, you know, everything was basically designed for Aaron Rodgers. Now you look up mm-hmm. and now you got a full Zach Wilson, a young player to go in there and learn all those um, different things. It's very difficult to do. Uh, Rodney, I, I like your expertise on this because I keep hearing people uh, talk about, I want to talk about some of the coaches in the league. And I hear mm-hmm. this thing now where I hear a lot of folks say, hey, look, if I'm hiring a coach, uh, there's such an offensive-minded game, I'm going to find an offensive-minded head coach. And I disagree with that. I think the position really is a leadership position. Head coach, you got to be able to lead, first mm-hmm. of all. And if you're able to turn your offense over to somebody who can make it run, that's good. But that's part of your responsibility. And I think it's being proven this year. Look at D'Amico Ryans, a defensive guy, a, a former defensive, a defensive player just like you were, who's got Houston playing better than anybody expected. And C.J. Stroud looks great. And I know it's only one game, but Antonio Pierce, the linebacker, goes into the Raiders and gets them playing inspired. Do you think that defensive coaches – uh, in today's game, kind of get a bad rap is too strong, but do you think people have overstated the importance of having an offensive-minded head coach? No, because that's something I've said. You know, if, if I'm paying a quarterback $250 million or $50 million a year or $40, $50, $55 million a year, whatever it is, I want an offensive-minded coach. I want somebody that can work directly with my coach. I want somebody that – I mean, with my quarterback that can help him grow, help him build – and help him last. And you look at Brandon Staley. He went over to the Chargers, and he was supposed to be this brilliant defensive mind, and the Chargers have gotten worse on the defensive side of the ball. They're not better. And then who's really working? He had to go outside the locker room, go get Kellen Moore, bring him in, and, you know, the offense has been up and down. So I'm one of those guys, I believe, if I'm paying a quarterback that type of money, um, you know, I want my head coach to be an offensive-minded coach. What? Well, I even can't though believe you're saying that. Yeah. I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe that Rodney Harrison is saying this. It's just, so how about that? How about my point about leadership? Leadership. What if he's a brilliant offensive mind, but he can't lead anybody. All he can do is just well, you talk and whisper mm-hmm. to the quarterback, but not no, the rest no. of the team. Mike, I agree with you. Leadership is a huge part of it. Absolutely. Because D'Amico Ryans, he's doing a phenomenal job. Just his calmness, his maturity, the fact that he played. The fact that he played, he walked right in and get instant credibility. You know what I mean? The players respect him so much, and the guy's done a wonderful job. These guys are playing at a high level. They're competing, and he's playing with a rookie quarterback. So these are the times where you you try to make a strong push for the playoffs, for the Super Bowl, because you got a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal. Fortunately for him, he's got the best rookie quarterback in the league and one of the top quarterbacks in the league right now. So now they can go out, they can pay extra people, they can make sure they get more weapons in for C.J. Stroud. I mean, really, this guy's he's, he's come in and done such a phenomenal job. You have to consider yeah. him as coach of the year. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and part of the reason is because of C.J. Stroud and what he's been able to do. I mean, he's an exceptional rookie. I saw him at Ohio State. I knew he was going to be good, but I didn't expect him to be this good this soon. What are you seeing out of him that makes him so special, that makes him so brilliant, early in his career? I think it's the poise, man. I mean, you think about these young quarterbacks, they get rattled so easily. 
And you see him, he's dropping back. He's got guys flying around him, coming around him, trying to sack him, guys at his feet. He's just moving around in the pocket. He's got tremendous fundamentals. He keeps his vision down the field. He sees the entire field. And he's got a rocket as an arm. I mean, the guy's Mm -hmm. super accurate. And he's just so poised and so calm. You talk about somebody that's really calm and poised like Tom Brady, that kid is right there. Would you go so far as to say that he should be in the MVP conversation? I've heard this kind of percolating Mm. a little bit. I don't agree with it. They're four and four. I'm an Ohio State Mm. fan through and through. But uh, but you, do you I understand go, how hard it is to play quarterback in the National Football League and what this young I man don't. is doing? I mean, he's giving his tell, team tell an opportunity. You know, that's the key. Like, I look at the Jets. They're four and four. I look at this team. He's giving his team an opportunity. This is the first year under this administration, the head coach, the, you know, the offensive coordinator and everything, and they're bringing this thing together. You you. You give you give them a little time, man. They're gonna continue to bring this thing together. I got all the confidence in the world in D'Amico Ryan's and what he's doing, and just the success that he's been around. So he knows how to run his team. He knows what he's looking for from a defense perspective. He knows that he wants to be able to run the football like they did in San Francisco. So that's all they're doing week by week. They're continuing to build and continuing to grow. You mentioned those young quarterbacks, Mike. Oh, look at you, shouting them out. Yeah. Shouting out Bama Yeah, he was there. my high school. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Who was I that? Knew, I knew there was a connection. Demico Demico Ryan. Ryan's. What is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Long so, after me, though, you know. <laughs> well, you still look young, Mike. You still look young. Thank yeah. you, bro. It, you know, yeah, Mike, moisturizer. <laughs> got, yeah, got, got good skin. He's got good skin. He's doing a really nice job with it. Um, and that's why you go. That's why you go shoot your shot with with Nia Long. But I digress. With Nia Long. Uh, let me ask you this. <laughs> let me ask you this, uh, Rodney. Tonight in, in the game, you speaking of these young quarterbacks. Now you've got Chicago and Carolina. Not necessarily a great matchup, but it's interesting because you get to learn how difficult it is. You ask me, do I understand how hard it is uh, to play quarterback in the NFL? I don't, but I think Chicago is finding out. And I think Carolina is finding out too. And you have this matchup tonight. You know, what do you what do you see from both of these quarterbacks? I know Justin Fields is not playing. Uh, they got Tyson Badgett in there, but specifically Bryce Young. What do you what did you expect to see from him as the number one overall pick? And what have you seen so far? I expected to see exactly what I'm seeing right now. A young kid coming there show us some things and have us like, wow, okay, he can, he, he got it. He can play a little bit, but then come back and throw a couple interceptions and struggle. That's what I expected. So what Carolina has to do is they got to continue to build around that offensive line. They got to continue to go out and try to get pieces, really good athletic pieces to add. So, you know, receiving core, tight end. Um, I still think they can upgrade at the running back position. They can get a couple more offensive linemen to really help solidify that offensive line. Because when you have a young kid coming in, you know, the defensive coordinators are scheming for him. You know, um, all types of crazy things are happening to him. So you just want to be able to calm his mind, know that he's got playmakers around him, and know that he has protection in front of him. 
Yeah, Bryce is going to be fine, man. Bryce is going to get the job done. I always want to ask you this question because I love the National Football League and Washington. Of course, I loved you as a player. I thought you played the game hard. You played the game the right way, in my opinion. So you did the job because that's what football is all about. These days, and I know they want to keep the players safe. All right, obviously, that, that's rule number one. But has the league, and I'm not saying the players by any means are soft, but has the league gotten softer because of some of these rules right now? Because right now you can't even sneeze on some of the quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're paying these quarterbacks a lot of money and guy, and, and and fans come to the games because they want to see the quarterbacks. And they mm-hmm. don't, if anything's questionable, if you're slamming a quarterback, if you put your body weight on him, if you're doing anything like that, they're going to call a penalty. Point blank, period. And I wouldn't say that the league is soft. I just think that the league is being a lot more careful because so many guys are suffering from CTE-related symptoms, concussions, and problems like that. So I think the league understands that when you're done playing and you're 25, 27, 29, 30 years old, that you want to be able to have a, a productive life after football. So it's very important that they cut down on some of these hits, and, and, and at times they're overly sensitive with these hits. But it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Well, let me tell you what. Hey, Rodney Harrison. Rodney Harrison said, I, I, I'm staying with it then, if he says it. <laughs> but listen, listen, Mike, 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 mm-hmm. look, I, okay, this, this is the last thing I'm going to say to Rodney as, as we let him go. You tell you ask if the league is soft. I'll tell you who's not soft because we're looking at the, the beautiful kitchen that Rodney Harrison has going on. So take your focus yeah. off the kitchen and look at this dude, man. Look at that. I know, what's right? going on? How, what the hell? How you staying in shape like this? What's going on, man? What are you doing? What what what's still- the routine? Just bless us with bless us with like a little tip. Give us a little workout tip. So like Mike Hill and I can, you know, yes. okay. bring it to the gym. Okay, so the key guys is when you're trying to get in great shape, there's certain things that you have to have extreme discipline on. Okay, so one of the things that I've done that's really changed my life is gave up pretty much alcohol. If I drink any alcohol, it's a mimosa. It's a glass of champagne, some Prosecco, like a $12 bottle of Prosecco and a little cranberry or orange juice. That's it. So limit your alcohol intake. Guys, we're over 50. I'm over 50. I'm 50. So I got to walk. I walk every day, 45 minutes every day. It's just calming. It helps anxiety. It just helps me think. And um, just, you know, when I work out, I lift. I don't lift like super heavy. I do 15 to 20 reps of things. And that's about it. Wow. Look at this. He Life killed my dreams when he said cut alcohol. He killed my dreams when he said cut alcohol. <laughs> I'm still hungover from last night. <laughs> yeah. Hey. <laughs> like, I, I, it's what's in that refrigerator behind him, though, that counts, man. It's what's not in that refrigerator that counts. <laughs> That's right. And listen, he said no. He said no alcohol. Audience is like, no, I'm turning the channel. I'm turning the channel. I ain't listening to that. Y'all think I, this yeah. is water? I, yeah. <laughs> Rodney Harrison, hey. man. Good to see you, brother. <laughs> hey, man. Good to see you guys, and thanks for having me. Appreciate y'all. All right, Rodney. Anytime. Take care, man. Good. We played well against this team. I mean, a couple of years ago, they beat us in the playoffs. We didn't have uh, a couple of really important pieces, but um, we tried some different things tonight. There were a couple of growing pains, but overall, I think our guys had pretty good game plan discipline in terms of when you play against a great offense and great offensive players, you can't 
you use your standard defense. You have to have great player defense as well. And Steph Curry obviously warrants that because he's one of the greatest to ever do it. Yes, you feel as good as you could after a loss, just knowing the steps we need to take and, you know, the defending champs, like, at home and the schedule that we've had. We have a competitive spirit and a togetherness that is, you know, nice to see developed this early in the season. You know, playing the, you know, the defending champs on the road at the end of a long trip was a hell of a fight. Our guys really competed and uh, gave themselves a chance to win. And, um, you know, tough, tough way to finish, but um, couldn't be more proud of them and, and, um, and more excited about, about our team. All right, Mike. Uh, Mike Hill, let me tell you how this started. How we uh, okay. have arrived at this beautiful four box moment. Four okay. box. We love, the, love the brother from another four box. This is like, this is a, hey, 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 family. We're going to meet in the family room. We have a family uh-huh. meeting here. We have to talk about it. this and we all come together. So this is how we got here, Mike. Uh, you know, I was, talking, I was talking with Liv about the best player in the NBA, and she just said it so uh, effortlessly. Uh, you know, Nikola Jokic is the best player in basketball. And then Natalie, over text, was saying, I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Uh, how about Steph Uh-oh. Curry? And then they had a nice conversation. And I said, well, they play next week. Let's meet back here next week. And so we had the game last night. Warriors win. Jokic doing Jokic things. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the the nugget the nuggets excuse me the nug, the Warriors lose Nuggets beat the Nuggets beat the Warriors, and so here we are. So I just want to hear from Natalie and from Liv Moves. What did y'all <laughs> see? What did y'all see last night? What stands out to you? Well, first of all, Mike Hill, I just want to say that that's a bit of revisionism. Um, Holly set us up last week because he wanted this. So <laughs> that yeah, that little did. story. Yeah, That little story he told didn't quite go like that, but it's okay. Okay. Um, Listen, in terms of me, what I saw, I thought what I saw to me is a Western Conference Finals preview. uh, Once Mm. both teams are healthy, that's what I saw. And um, I'm not really into moral victories. And I know the Warriors aren't, even though they said the things. But me personally, Like I, Holly, you know how I get down. I always believe in the Warriors. So anyone who was thinking about last season and thought the Warriors, the way they ended in their season was them, like Steve Kerr said, that was the exception, not the rule. So anyone who was coming into this season underestimating the Warriors, a shame on you. But I think hopefully now people see that they are on the level of a team like the Denver Nuggets. I do still right now think the Nuggets are the best team in the NBA, but I think mm-hmm. considering the Warriors schedule, how they started, they're what, six and three right now. They've played nine games, the most in the NBA tied with the Nuggets. And of those nine games, seven of them were on the road to me. They've had an exceptional start, and now they go home for a six-game homestand where they're going to close that gap. And so, I, like last night with with Draymond Green out and Gary Payton the second, and also Jamal Murray out, like I think both teams played pr- well, and I thought they gave us a good game. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's hard not to agree that this is these are two extraordinarily talented teams. 
I have to tell you, I, uh, I'm glad that Natalie threw in there the Jamal Murray thing because I had plenty of Warriors fans in my mentions going, well, we didn't have so-and-so and so-and-so. We didn't have Draymond. Um, hello, <laughs> do you not know the impact of Jamal Murray? And he was not playing either. So I don't like when, when fan bases try to start playing that game. I know there was a missed goaltend call. You could argue there was also a missed foul on MPJ. Uh, that really wasn't what was the make or break in that game. Nikola Jokic almost threw it away at the free throw line. He missed two in a very, very clutch situation when we needed points on the board. Steph Curry misses a layup. I mean, there's a lot of things that went wrong in this game uh, from a perspective of a, of a Nuggets fan. I won't speak to Warriors as much because, you know, they're an excellent team. But from a, a Nuggets fan perspective, there were a lot of things that they need to fine-tune and fix. So for them to get a win is obviously great, especially against a guy like Steph Curry. I think what I was the most excited to see from this Nuggets squad is their ability to slow down the three ball uh, with this Warriors team because we know that that is their that is just their secret weapon amongst many other things on their offense, this Warriors team. So for them to be able to at least slow that down a little bit, I think was super crucial for them. Uh, I was really excited to see what the Nuggets did last night. Their bench didn't show up as much as I would have liked, but I think that that's something that as the bench gets more comfortable, we'll see more consistency from them. But yeah, this is a Western Conference Finals preview, in my opinion. And I think when both of these teams wow. are healthy, it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh yeah, yeah, my your wow matches my wow. I just want to why I want to know mm -hmm. why your wow is there. Do you agree? <laughs> do you agree that this is a Western Conference matchup between these? You know, it's 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 so tough just in the Pacific Division alone. We got so many teams right now that you expect to be there, like the Phoenix Suns. I want to see what Bradley Beal brings to the to the table when the Phoenix Suns are completely healthy. I, I want to see what that, I see that Natalie shaking her, I, Natalie I don't, shaking I don't, her I don't expect like, that. I, I don't expect I, that. I, I, get, I, I, want, I want to see the Dallas Mavericks are playing well right now with Kyrie and Luka, and Luka's playing at an MVP level. I, I know that's going to be good too as well. But I will have to agree because I see positives in both of these teams right now. And I'm going to be the positive person. First, let me start off with the Golden State Warriors. As Natalie said, seven of their nine games have played on the road. And you know the good thing about that, Nat? is that they're 5-2 and two in those road games yeah. where they struggled so much on the road last season, winning only 11 games on the road. That was their Achilles heel. And they're doing it without Draymond Green and other people on the team. So they got that cohesiveness there, too. Steph Curry right now playing at the MVP level. I see a different uh, attitude in his eye. He seems like he wants to prove something himself. But the Denver Nuggets... They're playing confident. They're playing like they're the NBA uh, world champions. And once again, if you did not respect that big man in the middle before, you have got to respect him now. They just look like a totally different team from last year. Even last year when they were made, made the run to the NBA finals, I think people were disrespecting him, disrespecting them, expecting them to fall at some point. This season, I don't see any kinks in that armor right now because those guys really are playing at a top level right now. So a Western Conference preview, I would not be surprised whatsoever. But I still had to say, wow, because that's the first time I heard it. <laughs> hey, Natalie, why, why do you, uh, you, you, you've said this before. Why do you shake your head when we talk about the Phoenix Suns? Now, I happen to agree with you, but I want to hear... <laughs> yeah, your perspective on the Suns, because you know you haven't been buying at all with the Suns. Never, no. I mean, listen, wow. never. Like, first of all, they haven't all even played on the court together. You know, so to me, it's it's preliminarily feeling like um, Brooklyn Nets uh, 2.0, and then you're mm. already you're already wearing Kevin Durant down. 
by having him play all these minutes. He's had to play without Bradley Beal, who I know came back. But um, he has to play without Bradley Beal. Uh, Devin Booker's in and out. He's playing a lot of minutes. Kevin Durant in the last few years, his injury history, you know, he's missed a lot of games. So he is an older guy, not old, but older. So you, you're wearing him down. It's the same thing that's going on in LA with LeBron. You want to put him on a minute restriction, restriction, but you're not able to. So you're wearing Katie down. Book is in and out the lineup. They need time to play together to build cohesion, and that's not happening. So to me, they're already now behind the mark. And then just in general, I like I don't think the way their roster is constructed, like they're, they're constructed to be a high-power offense. But when it gets to the postseason and defense matters, I'm not convinced mm-hmm. they're sold on them locking anybody up and stopping. They're just going to want to try to beat you in an offensive matchup. And I think if you look at the Denver Nuggets, I think if you look at the Warriors, the Warriors can definitely hang with that and beat them. So I'm just not sold on the Denver Nuggets and I'm not sold on the Mavericks because, I mean, I'm sorry, like Kyrie's on your team. Like, I'm just, I'm not, I don't believe in that team. They got to do it. They got to do it. Oh, just that shot. Just that shot. That was enough. That was her walkaway line on that one. (laughs) As a, as a Nuggets, as a Nuggets fan, and you look at, you always got to be aware of the competition. Who's coming up on us? Who, who are we afraid of? Take the Warriors out of the conversation. Is there anybody else in the West where you look at and say, okay, yeah, we got to watch out for them. Uh, It's interesting because I don't know as a whole in the Western Conference if I feel this way about this team, but I'll tell you, the Timberwolves match up really well against the Nuggets, uh, and they have for Yes, this is not the first time their first the only loss the Nuggets have faced this season has been to the Timberwolves. Uh, I think it says something that that team was able to compete with the reigning NBA champions. Uh, I think I do worry about a guy like Carl Anthony Towns consistency when the playoffs hit. Uh, We've Mm -hmm. seen him make some questionable decision making. He doesn't have great decision making skills when it matters most. So obviously there's some I I would say that's a really great team that just needs some time to mature. Uh, And I think once they get that which I think can develop throughout a season. That is a team to me that I would really keep my eyes on. Uh, they matched up well against to me. Arguably, that was the toughest um, team that the Nuggets faced last year in the playoffs, to be completely honest with you. that Those games felt way too close. Yep. They had physicality. They had size. Uh, so to be able to compete with the Denver Nuggets as a well-oiled machine that this Nuggets is, this Nuggets team is as great as they are playing. Uh, the Timberwolves have been very competitive against this this Nuggets team for some time now, so that would be a team to me that I would I would keep my eyes on for sure. I'm so glad you said that, Liv, because I was going to bring that up, and I was like, she might get mad if I say that. I'm not sure, but I'm glad that you you think the same thing as me um, with the Wolves. And like I'm going to say this, and I promise I'm not trying to take away. I think Denver was still advancing and going to the finals last year and winning it. But I, you know, like every champion says this, this goes for the Warriors too, like in their first championship run, like you need a little bit of luck, right? And so getting health, having good health, all those things matter. And I was like, you know, Denver is very lucky that when they saw the Wolves, like the Wolves, didn't have like all of their, you know, Nas readers. There were just people missing because that's a difficult matchup for them. It's also a tough matchup for the Warriors due to their size and athleticism. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Wolves are ever going to go anywhere because as a team, their team IQ 
needs to improve, and I think their coach is a little right. questionable with some of his decisions. Mm-hmm. So I think that Amen. will al- I think that Amen. will always hold them back that they're not going to be able to beat a team like a Denver or a Warriors. But I agree that they are they're challenging to play. They they might Very. be like this year's this year's um, Memphis Grizzlies, except they're not annoying. Um, and so oh. they will they. They will give teams a tough challenge. And my, my only point in bringing up Denver is that it's much better to defeat a team in five, even if it's a hard five, than having to go up seven games against them. And I think whoever the Wolves see this year, they can push any team, and it's going to be like, wow, they really wore us out in a long series. Well, yep, I, 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 yeah, Mike, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. If Carl Anthony Towns can ever figure out what kind of player he needs to be in the NBA instead of yeah. the type of player I don't think he, he wants will. To be. I don't think he will. I don't think he I'm will. Live. I'm going to live. He, he just, if he just figures out, like, man, just play the role that you need to play in the NBA. You're talented, your skill. You can win rings with Anthony Edwards. You could be a, a contender every year with Anthony Edwards, but I think he's too far into his own head and his own ego. You know, out of everything, you know, what was sad that we're not talking about? We're not talking about the L.A. Clippers. <laughs> we're not talking. And it's sad. They got James Harden. They got all that talent. I told y'all they- last week that James Harden was going to ruin that team. And look at what we're looking at right oh now. Oh, right. my God. You're right. Oh, and two. Telling you. Yeah, listen. The Sixers looking good it. over there in the East, too. They are. Yeah, they they are. took down the Celtics. Yeah, it's crazy what happens when you get rid of the toxic X factor. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Ooh. Toxic. Toxic. That's a di- that's a different conversation Ooh. right there. Oh, I know that, that's a, that's a relationship thing. <laughs> <laughs> that toxic masculinity. <laughs> yeah, Mike. Uh, I just got this text message. Uh, tell Mike Hill to at me. Uh, thanks, Nia. What's with? So Nia, look, okay. Um, okay. So. What you gonna do? What you what you gonna do? What you gonna do? I'm about to hop in the DMs, Nia. Come on, Brandy, <laughs> from Boys in the Hood. <laughs> <laughs> oh.